0: I try to focus on three things, and the one that we've been talking the most about is the business, right? So, in, in to be successful in life, you have to focus on the finances, focus on the business, whatever it is. You you got to make sure that part's taken care of. Uh, but I think equally important is the relationships and things that matter with the people that matter most in your life: your family, your your spouse, your kids, your friends and making sure that those are, are in, a, in, a, in a good place. And then third, yourself. You've got to take on, take responsibility for taking care of yourself. The road of an entrepreneur is guaranteed to be askew and there are
1: always big questions to overcome. How are tech founders bootstrapping their way to the top while spending money from their own pockets? How do they scale a startup that is primed for a successful exit? yet still remain profitable? These are the types of questions that this podcast will help answer, and it will shine light onto the livelihood of entrepreneurs, the good, the bad, the ugly, and the dirt in between. My name is Jim Barnish, and welcome to The Dirt. Joining me today is a little bit different sort of guest than we typically have on The Dirt. He wasn't the founder of his company, but rather came on as the third person as a partner to help grow the hell out of it. Today, we discuss how he and his partners have weathered four recessions over twenty-five years in business as an IT service partnership, and kept an incredible reputation and smile on the entire time. Chris Carlo, partner at Mercury Works, welcome
0: to the Dirt. Thanks, Jim. It's great, uh, great to be joining you today.
1: Yeah, great to have you there. So let's talk a little bit about what got you to the t- to the last twenty-five years. How do you end up in business, in a business and a partnership nonetheless?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, my first career actually was in banking. So I was in commercial banking with some of the old names in the Florida market, Barnett Bank, Nations Bank, and Bank America, and did a consulting engagement with a bunch of consultants from Booz Allen Hamilton and took them out to dinner and asked them how to get their job. And they said, go to business school. And so I did. Went to business school at University of Chicago and after getting out of business school, went to work for a technology and strategy consulting firm, really focused on uh, enterprise organizational growth and trying to help organizations figure out how to use technology to grow their business at scale. And did that for about five years, but was on the road extensively, flying out Monday mornings and flying home uh, Thursday nights and realized that that wasn't what I wanted to spend the rest of my life doing and Meta had all along known my business partner. We had gone to high school together. Uh, he was an engineer by training and, and founded Mercury in, in 1998. I was trying to recruit him to come work at the consulting firm I was working for. I was like, you love this. You know, you fly all around the country and have a lot of board level conversations and it blends business and technology. So, well, why don't you join me and help me grow this business from what where we are today to what it could be. And after about a year of going back and forth, he won. And I joined Mercury as a full equity partner uh, about 18 years ago and have been thrilled with the decision to do so uh, ever since. It's been, it's been a great a great experience and a great career. We've been able to grow a great business, accomplish an awful lot over the past 25 years, and uh, look forward to what's ahead. So have you slowed down at all
1: as an entrepreneur? Compared to life on the road as a consultant, or is it
0: same thing, different battle? It's it's same thing, different battle. Same thing, different battle. The lifestyle changes a little bit, so I, I certainly like that. Uh, but I spend just as much time probably thinking about how to how to help our clients be more successful, which is really ultimately what we're trying to do. We happen to use technology to do it, but it's really focusing on our client success that that I enjoy doing. It's what I enjoy. As a banker, I was giving away money, but I was still focused on, okay, not how do I lend, but how do I create a successful business and going in, talking to people about what their business needs were, help me understand how we could use some of our products or services to help them grow. It's the same thing with what we do, except we're using, we're using software uh, to do it and, and really helping our clients exploit opportunities in the marketplace differentiate themselves from their competitors and be better businesses through the use of technology.
1: So well, let's talk about some of that. So you you guys have obviously been in business a long time. You've got a terrific reputation, I know, and you're building some really creative solutions for all sorts of companies. What are some of those awesome IT solutions that you guys are coming up with and bringing to the table? Is it, is it all custom dev or, you know, mind
0: talking just a little bit to that? Yeah, absolutely. So it's clearly changed quite a bit over the last 25 years. In 1998, uh, you know, a hot lead was, can you build me a, a corporate web page? And it was, and that was how they talked about it, right? It would be a, an HTML static table-based thing. And today we build complex software solutions for our clients to help them better communicate, collaborate, and connect with their customers, with their prospective customers with their partners, with their employees, this, the iPhone, for those of you listening, I'm holding up a phone, didn't exist when we started 25 years ago. So mobility is clearly an important component of what we do. Whatever software platforms we're building out for clients, you know, usually need to have some mobile component to it. What's that going to look and feel like? How do we get information into and out of uh, legacy systems or third-party systems? What we're building usually sits at some form of nexus point where existing software solutions within the enterprise aren't meeting the need, but we're going to need to get information into and out of your ERP system or into or out of your HR system or into or out of your accounting system to then enrich that data with other information that may be siloed in other parts of your organization to really create that full picture of whatever application you're trying to fulfill is.
1: So creating creative solutions, everything from cloud microservices, all the way through to kind of some of the basic fundamentals of and building blocks of the company. You guys have been doing some, some awesome work. How do you, how do you remain in a partnership for 25 years and still keep a smile on your face? Cause as someone who's been in a partnership for only a few years and it's my first partnership you know, some there's a, it benefits for sure, but it's got lots of challenges because you got a lot of a lot of different people with different agendas and, and all got to get in alignment to make decisions and decision making is a lot more challenging sometimes than it would be when it flows from the top down. You know, what how does that work with you guys and what's made it so successful for 25 years that I can take away from that?
0: Uh, you know, I, I, I would say one thing is luck, right, in that we weren't sure in the beginning it would work. We were we had confidence when we set the whole thing up. We, in all the operating agreements and business agreements, spelled out what would happen if it didn't, understanding that that was a real possibility. Going in with the best of intentions, but realizing that it may not work that way. Having known each other for as long as we did certainly was a big benefit. So there was a a uh, inherent level of trust and intimacy that wouldn't exist in maybe a lot of other opportunities. It did with my business partner and I, since we had known each other since high school and been been friends ever since. And we're not like best buddies that hang out 24-7 at each other's houses and all that, but that we really understand and know each other. And we also have a lot of common values and that really helped a lot. So we tend to come at things very differently, but where we're trying to get is, Nine times out of 10 going to be the same spot. And so we do have differences of opinion. And sometimes, you know, it's not all roses, uh, rainbows and sunshine. But when there is difference of opinion, respecting that the other person's got the company's best interests at heart and the overall objectives probably are way more closely aligned than they might seem in the moment of disagreement. And instead of taking a step back, focusing on that and, and trying to, trying to think about the other's perspective. It's a lot like my marriage in that regard. You know, my my wife and I aren't always in lockstep with exactly what we're doing or thinking day to day, but we've ultimately always have the same end vision or end goal set in mind. And, And it's that same thing in a business partnership. And like I said, wasn't sure it would work that way, but have been very, very pleased that it has. Wouldn't want to run a business on my own. I've learned that more about myself now than I knew when I entered into this, the uh, you know the loneliness at the top, the uncertainty, the you know the the challenges that come with being an entrepreneur, with running a business, being being there in that without having a sounding board, without having someone to pick you up maybe when you're feeling a little down and vice versa. It's not my style. I I get why some people prefer that path and. But uh, not, my, not my jam and, and really feel fortunate to have uh, been able to participate in what I have been able to participate in and, and have it turn out the way it has.
1: I love that answer. I mean, it, you nailed it when you said it's like being in a marriage because it is a marriage, right? You got a you contract or an operating agreement holding you guys together, right? Gotcha. <laughs> you got to wake up in the morning and, and get excited to spend the day together and uh, and do it all over again tomorrow right and it's great to have a sounding board it's great to have partners but you got to find the right ones for it to be
0: successful so yeah there's no doubt about that and the yeah there's just untold stories where it didn't work out right and and I am and I can understand where that certainly could happen as well yeah
1: have you guys ever had to let go of a partner
0: or you know move on? Or was it just always we're, the three of you? We, we have not. In our case, there's only two of us, two equity partners. Okay. One of the original equity partners had exited before I joined. So there's, there's just the two of us.
1: Okay. And so four recessions you guys have made it through, right? Any any secrets as we're about to head into an, or in the midst of another one that um, other folks can learn from? Whiskey? <laughs> Whiskey.
0: No, I, I think, I think that the, the biggest learning for us has been just take a deep breath. Don't panic, right? And panic, panicked movement doesn't work well. Uh, measured movement does. And there, there, there's usually a lot of, a lot of noise in, in, in those situations. And you got to make sure you're, you're focusing on signal and not noise and, and really being focused and measured in doing so and making sure that you're being realistic, right? So some of the basic disciplines we have today were born out of past recessions, right? So the three-month forecasting that we do was born out of those those times, right? Like getting real clear-eyed about what does our existing business look like? What's our future opportunity look like? Cash flow projections and forecasting, uh, you know, are are like uh, vitamins and minerals to our business. Those were born out of, you know, many years ago, sitting there going, "Holy smokes, what's going to happen?" I don't know. let let's get clear about what's going to happen. And then, oh by the way, when we get to the other side of this, let's continue doing that so that we have it right. So, so really be clear eyed, map things out, and then creating, create some plans, right? What are some scenarios, right? You don't have to blow it all the way down to a granular level, but what are some scenarios, right? Do some scenario planning around in this environment. We might do that, you know, and you create some if thens and some, in our case, we're a professional services firm. So there's different levers that you can pull. And one we've never pulled is letting people go. We've never let somebody go from our firm in the 25 years we've been in business due to financial performance reasons. So what's that mean? Well, that means that that in those really dire times, my partner and I paid out of our own pockets to make sure we didn't lose people or make people regret having come to work at our company, knowing that when we recover, we're going to need to have people that are fully invested in Mercury and that can believe and trust in Mercury and their future here. So- um, you know, unfortunately there's been employees through the, through the years that haven't worked out for for performance reasons or whatever. And we're not a gold watch kind of company per se in that regard, but really do take our stewardship to our employees and their families very, very seriously. Uh, and also manage our business in a very, very conservative way. Right. So we're, we We as a business, when a recession hits, aren't sitting in an over-levered, overextended situation that then gets exacerbated by a downturn, right? So we manage the business in a very, very conservative way. We don't have outside debt. We don't take on, we haven't taken on investors, even though we've had opportunities to do so, which has inhibited some of our growth, right? There's, you know, that's not a always the best strategy but it's been our strategy because of what you know our goal isn't to become a unicorn we're not trying to build this company up and and sell it for a billion bucks it's how do we consistently build a, a quality company over time that will be able to deliver high quality software on a consistent repeatable basis to our clients year over year decade over decade that's that's what we're looking for when we look for, Opportunities. We're not looking for transactional relationships with clients. We want long-term relationships. We are. We won't body shop our people out. We, we don't. We don't do a lot of things that are all part of this bigger business plan, business strategy that we believe uh, is the kind of business we want to have. And again, it's my part that due to, our
1: business is that due to any lessons learned there.
0: It it is right in terms of. So things like, you know, how do, how do transactional relationships turn out versus long-term relationships? When we've done transactional work in the past, we never really enjoyed it. Our team never really got excited about doing the work. So we had to have them, we, we need to make sure they're bought into our client success or they're not going to be able to ship that high quality software on a consistent, repeatable basis. And the idea of just needing to shop out quickly, then you've got to get into contracting. We don't subcontract out our work. We don't use 1099s. We use W2 Mercury employees for just about all our work. Unless we need some really specialized expertise, we'll pull on someone from our network. We've, we've hired 1099s in the past. We've, we've tried these different things and we didn't like what the results were. Sure. And not the financial results. The results of the software, the results of the experience, the culture of the team wasn't indicative of what we're trying to build and what we believe.
1: Everything we talk about, Chris, every time we talk, it's always got this client outcomes aspect to it, right? This, this quality. And, and I think part of the things that, you know, part of what you mentioned to me before and what drove that is also kind of moving. The bigger clients, not just the longer relationships, but less clients, more meaningful yep. relationships, right? Yes. Was that a journey in learning to let go of some of the clients who might have been holding you back as well? A- absolutely.
0: Really being purposeful in that, and also being, um, you know, being respectful and understanding of their needs, helping them find what they what would suit them well, right? So, and, and those are still sometimes conversations that we have at certain junctures, right, is as a business grows and evolves, sometimes a, a business gets to a point where maybe they should build their own in-house team and and they don't need us as much as they did before. Okay, we'll help you hire those people. Like, you you know, you want us to sit in on interviews? You want us to write a job description? Like, we we'll, we will do those things for our clients because we want them to succeed. And know that even though we ultimately may end up doing less work with them over time as a result, that's fine. Uh, or if a client is at a point where they're not interested in continuing to invest in their in their you know in their online presence, if they're not continuing to want to invest in their software platform, we may not be the right place for them. But when we find a place that is, we we really believe that a secret to our success beyond the consistent repeatability in terms of how we're shipping and what we're shipping to clients is how we treat people, our employees, our clients, our community. Why we're as active as active and engaged in our community as we are, we think that's all part of who we are as individuals within the company, owners of the company, what we want for the company. We think it kind of wraps around that broader uh, perspective of what we aspire. Mercury Works.
1: So let me ask you, because there's obviously a lot, of, a lot of ups and downs and learnings there from others who are in a spot, maybe a little earlier than you, who might be listening and and saying, I can't really afford to let some of my customers go, because then I got the whole other problem of cash management or you know yep. some some other thing that connects to that. You know, what do you what do you say to those people who are at that part of their
0: journey? say you need to do it even though it doesn't feel like so you talk about uncomfortable spots you you've been a business owner you are a business owner Those, those are uncomfortable positions to be in and really what's holding you back isn't the money it's the fear it's the fear and if you let that go there may be a cycle or two where there's a little less revenue yes that's that's a true story but you can We've always been able to replace it with more revenue and better clients. Yeah. It's fear. It's fear fear. is the impediment, not finance.
1: Right. Right. And the the status quo of what you're used to. That's
0: right. Yeah. That's right. And getting out of your comfort zone is hard. And so do you maybe need to work the biz dev effort or the demand gen effort a little harder when you're getting ready to do that? Yep. Yep. Absolutely. But that's you know necessity is the mother of invention. Maybe you should have been doing that all along, right?
1: Indeed, yeah, indeed. So as you guys started to kind of come into your own and really saturate the market in Tampa, if you will, and then you know grow outside of that you know, geographic expansion, what what are some of the things that allowed you to be successful in in not growing too fast, but also growing fast enough?
0: You know, I I think a lot of it is that that forecasting ability, right? And not just, so, you know, I talked about it in terms of dollars and cents and cash flow forecasting and re- recessionary times. That, that's certainly part of it. But what feeds into that is the labor piece, right? So being very, very vigilant in understanding your current work commitments, what those translate into in terms of you know, what do your epics, features, user stories, how does that break down? How does that break down over time? And so that you're not just looking at sprint over sprint, but that you're looking program increment to program increment a year over year. Right. So many of our clients are working with us and we'll sit down and budget and forecast with them for the coming year and, and really try to hone in on what does that look like so that we're not over committing ourselves and, and we'll turn away work when, when we find ourselves in that situation. Right. And it's not a ch- case of being. Too big for our britches. It's just being really deliberate about what it is we can and can't do, or maybe say, "Hey, really would love to work with you guys. It's a perfect fit. We we don't have the capacity right now. We could potentially start working with you at this point." And a lot of times, somebody will say, "I'm sorry, that won't work, and they'll need to go somewhere else." And I respect that. But sometimes they'll say, "Well, okay, let's do that. Right let's let's wait." And but but. There's, we, you know, have we taken on more work than we should in the past? Yeah, that's why we don't do it anymore. Yeah, like it sucks, dude. Yeah, it sucks. I mean, you talk about the dirt. That's the dirt. That's that. The, it's the battle scars that have taught us these. It's not necessarily business school doctrine or business benevolence. It's it's the the scrapes, bruises, and and beatings we've taken over the last twenty five years, man.
1: Yeah, the the academic versus the the hands-on training, if you will.
0: Yeah, my yeah, my my business different. partners. My business partner's bio reads that he has a a PhD in real world studies.
1: Yeah, ain't that the truth? the The dirt of the dirt of growth, the dirt of building a business. Yeah, so, teaches you
0: um, a lot, man. It's fun. Yeah,
1: dude, it's so it's so fun. <laughs> so I, it definitely I love comes it. at a cost. Yep. <laughs> So we right before we were hopping on, I just want to hop to the personal side before, because you you said something that I want to bring back up, which is that there's three things that you always look at, like in a balance of the life of Chris Carlo, right? Yeah. You mind just speaking a little bit to that and how that balance is so important to you? Because I think that's something that founders, no matter what stage of business they're at, always forget.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, so... I again, not something I've always done my whole life, but something I've gotten more uh, focused on through the years is that, you know, for me, I try to focus on three things. And the one that we've been talking the most about is the business, right? So in, in to be successful in life, you have to focus on the finances, focus on the business, whatever it is, you, you know, you got to make sure that part's taken care of. Uh, but I think equally important is the relationships and things that matter with the people that matter most in your life your family your your spouse your kids your friends and making sure that those are are in a in a in a good place and then third yourself you've got to take on take responsibility for taking care of yourself you know the old uh airplane analogy put on your own oxygen max first right and it's hard to keep all three in balance I don't I haven't mastered it, but I am mindful. Uh, and I know when one of them's out of balance, if, if more, you know, you, you want to always at least have two in the right spot and every now and then you can have all three in the right spot. And that's a, that's a great place to be and, and certainly enjoy those moments when they're there, but be mindful, uh, when you're giving neglect to one for too long, that, that it really can cause a lot of problems. And, and try I try to really be thoughtful about those three things and make sure that I'm uh, doing my best to, to live there. And on the personal one, I think there's three components within that, right? You got the mind, the body, and the spirit uh, on the personal level and making sure you're not giving short shrift to any of the three or uh, you pay the price. Yeah,
1: you do. Especially when you're moving a million miles a minute. That's it. Yep. So that brings me to the next part of the show, which is what I call the Founder Five, which is essentially five questions all about your growth. And you already started us off with your three things. So I'm just going to dive right in. The first first one is, what is the top metric or KPI that you guys at Mercury are relentlessly
0: focused on? Well, I I would first say it's imperative to have one for, (laughs) for any founder. In our case, we, we, I mean, not focus... a thousand
1: that you pay attention to the same. That's right. Oh, That's okay. Right. Got it.
0: The number one, one that we focus on is a little different than what we used to do, Jim. And it's on our sentiment scores, right? And it's employee sentiment. We use Lattice as our, as our employee engagement platform and really being able to track sentiment is important. If we, you, you've Heard time and time again, the importance of team and culture and culture and strategy for breakfast. We believe in those things. And that's the metric that lets us know, are we if we're overworking our employees, sentiment's going to be low. If they're working on work they don't like, sentiment is going to be low. If we're giving them things that they're not equipped to do because they don't have the right training, sentiment is going to be low, right? It gives us a clear, quick indicator of how we're doing. And I've never had an unhappy team shipping high quality software ever. Yeah. Right. So, Doing anything. if I can, if Editing. I, that tells yep. me there's a problem and then I can, I need to go other places to do my diagnosis of what the problem is. Fair. But that's the single best metric for us to keep an eye on. Everything else flows out of it. That's perfect. I love that one.
1: What is the top tip for other growth stage
0: leaders in their businesses? that you have? The number one thing is pay attention to what's going on in your space and make sure you develop relationships with people in your space and in adjacent parts of your space, right? Because a lot of things I've learned weren't necessarily from peers, but from CEOs, leaders, partners in in adjacent spaces and really have spent a lot of my time fostering those relationships, because I think that they can be invaluable in teaching you things that you may not otherwise know, and and how to do things right. So, being part of a, being part of, you know, in my case, I'm part of uh, industry agnostic CEO roundtable forum and industry specific CEO roundtable forum, right? Because those those can provide insights and help you learn so that you can come up with things without having to bear the scrapes and bruises and bumps and bludgeoning that can come by learning on your own. Yeah, love it.
1: A uh, top book
0: or podcast that's helped you to grow? Hands Down, Obstacles Away by Ryan Holiday. How cool. like not not often first.
1: I get one that I've never read, but I have not read that one.
0: Yeah, no, it's fantastic. He, you'll base a book on Stoicism, although the book itself is not about stoicism, it's about leadership and and where where and how to kind of find it from within. And, you know, that people often think that what's dealt to them is, you know, misfortune or unforeseeable. And we should expect highs and lows in life that, you know, it the, the only constant is change. And his book is um, fantastic. Love he it. has other good books, too, but that's the best one of the lot. We'll get that one in the notes for sure.
1: All right. This one's a little unconventional, so bear with me. But if you were to have someone play you in a movie, who would that actor be?
0: Oh, boy. I would love it to be Daniel Craig. But at the rate I'm losing hair, uh, I'm out facing him, so I'm not sure <laughs> that would happen. But he, I would love him to be uh, my standing.
1: Yeah, he's a stud. He's yeah. really awesome. Yeah. So you're, gold, you're, uh, you're James Bond at the end of the day. Now I know now I know I, you a little I, bit. I didn't say
0: that. I just, I just said, you <laughs> said, who would I want to have blame me? That's who I'd want to have blame me, man. Now
1: forever you'll be known as James Bond. Alright, sure. last one. So if you are to accomplish everything you set out to when all is said and done at the end of your career, which I'm sure you will, what is going to be the title of your autobiography? The
0: title of my autobiography would be good father, good partner, good leader, good person. That, that's, How is that
1: not a book yet?
0: That's, that's what I'm aspiring to. That's yeah. you know I don't know if I'm all the way there yet, but if if that's if somebody could put posthumously title title my autobiography that way, I'd feel I'd done my part on this plane.
1: Man, that's a hell of a way to end the show. I love it. All right. Um, so since you've given so much back to everyone today. I want to offer a little bit of self-promotion for you. What What
0: can those listening do to help you out? Uh, well, one of the things we're really doing now is trying to continue to build out our team. You know, Our business is uh, all about having the right team members in place. So if there are people listening that know of folks that may be interested in a career in high-quality software development, and that goes beyond just the developers, but you know, delivery leads, and we have various positions. Our, our website has a careers page on it with kind of our open spots. And definitely, definitely something that we're always interested in having the conversations with great people. Love it. What's the best way for folks to get in touch with you? Uh, I'm available on LinkedIn. So people, people can easily find me on LinkedIn. Um, always open to a dialogue. You know, all of our firm's contact information is on our website. Always happy to have a conversation with someone. I spent a lot of time talking to folks about things that they bring to me that I know that there's probably low likelihood Mercury can help them with, but I know a lot of people that can help them and uh, I'm pretty well connected. And our team, having been in this market for 25 years, know a lot of people and we're more than willing to share that um network with others uh and and help people think through things and or put them in touch with people like you Jim that can sometimes right people come to us wanting to invest in this or that I like, I don't know anything about that but you know go talk to someone like Jim or they'll come and say well we want to build this software platform I'll be like I could build that but I don't understand why you want to build it like what's your your business plan behind that go talk to the guys at Orchid Black and they can help you think through the strategic work that needs to go in before we start the tactical work on building something out. Yeah. That's why we're great at creating value together. Let's- that's it. That's it. We are, we do have room for one more client. If there's somebody okay. looking to partner on their software development, we could probably take on one more client.
1: Terrific. All right. Who's in? <laughs> All right, Chris. Thank you so much, man. This has been a uh, fantastic and you have a wonderful rest of your week.
0: Right on, Jim. You too, man. A great spending
1: right. time together. Take care, too. Take care. If you loved today's episode of The Dirt, make sure you rate it on your favorite platform. And if you really liked us, go ahead and leave us an honest review. Thanks again for tuning in to The Dirt.